Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, quote the Ravens. Nevermore. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Luke Owen. I'm joined by Tempest T Wrestler. How's it going, Tempest? It's going pretty good, Luke. I mean, I've been waiting to see Blood and Guts for a really long time, and now I've seen it, so I'm all, I'm all smiles today. <laughs> we did the live stream reactions to it last night as well, which was a hell of a lot of fun, uh, if you weren't around to join us. I uh, very nearly missed it. because You did. I... <laughs> I'd set an alarm. My wife and I went to bed at about 10, 10 p.m. Uh, after watching an episode of Game of Thrones. And I was like, I'm going to get into bed. I'm just going to sleep for a couple of hours. And then I'll set an alarm for 25 past 12 because we're going on air at quarter to one. And it'll be all grand. So I set my alarm for 25 past 12. And then I just sort of like sat up with a jolt in bed being like, huh, that's weird. I wonder what time it is. I looked at my clock and it was quarter to. Actually, it was about 10 to. 10 to one. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm late. So I ran downstairs. I got my socks and I, I ran downstairs. And I jumped onto the stream, I loaded up everything, and I came in and I was like, hey, everyone, because thankfully, I've got a quality team here that started the stream without me. Turns out, I had set an alarm for 25 past 12 p.m., as in 25 past midday, as opposed to 25 past midnight. So it's really a good job that I just woke up when I did, (laughs) because Andy called me, and that did not wake me up. Yep. Yeah, it was maybe five, ten minutes into the stream. And, well, even before that, before we started, we were looking at the clock and it was like, oh, we're cutting it a little bit close here because Louie, Andy, and I had all shown up. And we were about, like, one minute away. And it was like, so what do we do when Luke isn't here in the next minute? And that minute passed and we were like, I'm just going to start this countdown. And at the very worst, we'll have a, a WrestleTalk website live stream here and we'll just we'll make the best out of it and that's what happened and about five minutes in andy was like all right place your bets does luke show up at all and they 
they both said that you were done for the night. You were asleep. You weren't waking up. It was just going to be us. And I was like, you know what? I think he's going to show up in about five minutes. And I think four minutes later, you popped in. So I will take my crown for the week of being the only person (laughs) who believed that you would wake up. Thanks, mate. And your reward was getting to talk about this show again, I guess, yeah. and, and do a podcast with me. Um, but let's let's dive into the show. Let's talk about Blood and Guts. I'll, I'll be honest with you, there's going to be a bit of a weird show, I think, because I was looking at all the hyper chats that we've had for this. It's all based around Blood and Guts. I don't know if we're ever going to cover anything else that happened on this show, but we are going to be kicking off with the Blood and Guts match. Did it deliver? Here is the show. And yeah, we're going to kick things off. And I say we're going to kick things off. I think the majority of this podcast is going to be around this main event because there's a lot to talk about. It was the last hour of the show, effectively, maybe the last 45 minutes um, because you had the Kenny Omega with Orange Cassidy bit and you had the Miro promo as well. So maybe like the last 45 minutes of the show. And we have got a ton of feedback, like currently over three pages worth of hyper chats in omega chats if you will about blood and guts so yeah people have some thoughts on this and i think that the thoughts on the match have slightly changed over the hours since the show finished like you and i did a live stream reaction to the show last night and i think that when the finish happens everyone kind of like i would say the majority of the chat that we had that were watching with us crapped all over it and we're just like that was no good. No good whatsoever. I did not like that finish. That finish did not work for me. And then you had the Jericho bump as well. And that made things worse. And then people were like, and that bump has now sealed it. This is terrible. There were some people comparing it to Revolution and like the exploding barbed wire death match and this that, and the other. And I think there was a lot of like anger and vitriol towards AEW for overhyping and under delivering, which is a criticism that AEW get quite a lot. But I think since I've like I went to bed, I'll be honest, it took me ages to fall asleep last night because I was just kind of replaying a lot in my head and I was thinking about the chance and I was thinking about writing the script that I had to do for the news. So I didn't sleep very well. But when I woke up and I was kind of checking the response for it, it wasn't quite as vitriolic. I think the, the, the tide had started to turn. And I think now by the time that we have gone live here at three o'clock uh, here in the UK, you know, we're still, you know, less than 24 hours after the event. I think that the tide is massively turning because I put up a poll on uh, our community tab here on the channel being like, did blood and guts deliver? 79% uh, of the votes said yes. There was nearly 6,000 votes said yes, it delivered. Only 21% said no. So I think that the majority of the fans, myself included, actually really liked what happened with blood and guts both the finish and the jericho spot afterwards yes i i would think so i mean if you go to twitter or the comments section as soon as something ends odds are you're going to get the very loud minority and that's not to say that those people are are wrong in their opinion because obviously you're entitled to think that this match sucked that's 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 your right and I don't necessarily agree with it. I have, in a similar sort of way, kind of not necessarily come down on the match in the last few hours, but there are some things where I'm just like, okay, well, I can understand that criticism, and I wasn't a big fan of them doing this. 
But on the whole, I mean, I still thought this match was fantastic. The finish itself was almost identical to what I had been thinking they were going to do just with the roles reversed. Cause I thought it was going to be Jericho surrendering, surrendering the match on behalf of Sammy, as opposed to the mm-hmm. other way around. But I don't know, maybe it was just a case of like expectations that weren't met for certain people, because this met just about all the expectations I had for it going in. Yeah. I think well, we talked about this on the stream last night and I mentioned this in the WrestleTalk pod, uh, sorry, the WrestleTalk news, uh, AEW review there. So I've, I'm, I'm trying not to repeat myself too much. Cause I feel like I have said a lot of this, like already, I think people are probably sick of hearing what I have to say about this match. Um, which is great. Thank you for tuning into this podcast to, to hear me say it all <laughs> over again. I really genuinely do appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I feel like it is, there's a, there's two audiences here. There is an audience that is old school that are, have been watching wrestling for you know decades plus you know people sort of like of my age and older who grew up watching uh, WCW um, war games matches which was surrender and submission like those were the only ways to to win the match and there's the much younger audience that have been introduced to war games via NXT where the rules are it's pinfall and it's just there's no roof on the cage and the matches are less about a series of hot tags like Trevor Dame brilliantly put this on Twitter it's war games old war games matches were a series of hot tags and a sprint to a finish like you were lucky if a match went 25 minutes like 20 minutes to like half an hour like these aren't long matches they're just meant to be wars that one team ends up losing and whereas the nxc one is all about it's 45 minutes it's 50 minutes it's an hour and it's this big spectacle thing what's ricochet gonna do what's the big chair spot we're gonna do someone jumps off wearing a trash can this that and the other like it's you know it's, it's all about the spots that people are either gonna say yay that worked or nay that didn't work but they're still like talking about those spots so i think that the audience the nxt audience that like this that's their war games and that's nothing you know i like the nxt war games matches and i think there's nothing wrong with enjoying those at all like i, I think they're grand um in fact i think they're great who did not like the surrender aspect of it and those are like i think like the there are people who are used to the surrender aspect who are like yeah that totally worked for me and there are those who just want it to be a pinfall and it didn't work for them yeah i think that is basically the case and i said i said last night as we were going off the the review or the live reactions rather that i thought the nxt war games matches sucked that is probably a bit too harsh um i think i think yeah I will say there are a few of them that I actively dislike. Not all of them, mm-hmm. but because, I mean, I thought the uh, Undisputed Era one with Pat McAfee and everything, I thought that was probably the best of all the War Games matches NXT has had. I thought that was really good. I've also thought that a few of them are just, like, really poor at telling the story that a War Games match has. Like, even just basic stuff where, you know, the heel comes in, the babyface comes in, and there's just, like, the swing of momentum mm-hmm. each way. There, there are times where they don't even get that right. And that's kind of where my my issues with the matches in NXT exist, is I think they are totally inoffensive, wacky, double cage matches. As War Games matches, I they don't meet the same level that I expect out of a war games. It would be, and to me, maybe that's just in the name that they've given it because it's a double cage with two rings that they've called war games that I have this, this expectation in my mind for those matches that isn't being met. That was met in this blood and guts match that all of a sudden I'm just like, Oh, there it is. That's what I've been waiting for for so long. 
that maybe that's where my issue with that has come from. And now we're just seeing the flip side of that with people who prefer the NXT way of doing things that are now seeing the old school way. And it's like, oh, well, I don't I don't like that. I prefer the other way. Yeah. And we actually saw like the reverse of that when NXT first started doing war games. We had those older fans that like, I mean, me and Ollie used to get me and Ollie would like you know right like rage about like how how great the or like um rave sorry i should say rave about how great the nxt uh war games matches are we were like that was so much fun it was so cool there's this and the other and all the comments which like that is not war games i'm so like you know people are like i'm so sorry but that is not war games you cannot end war games in a pinfall you cannot have a war games without a roof and this idea so like it is there's both sides of the coin here and i think what aew tried to do was play both sides of the fence they tried to do a NXT style length with all the spots, you know, like we had the springboard um, Spanish fly, we had the coast to coast, we had the pulling up of the boards and this that, and the other. So they tried to make it like an NXT style war games for that modern audience, but also appeased, uh, appeased to those like uh, appeal to those 80s, 90s fans who want the old war games. So they tried to do both of them. And I think to their credit, I think it mostly worked. Like, I really enjoyed this match. And I think they did mm -hmm. get the balance right. For me, the my biggest criticism against this match, and it's the criticism I had when they first announced it, I don't think they should have been on TV because the commercial breaks absolutely killed the flow of this match. There was a YouTube con that we had left. Uh, seven minutes of the match were commercial breaks. And it was a 34-minute match. So that means there's like, you know, nearly what a quarter of it is commercials. That there is that kind of that will that has an impact. Yeah, it wasn't as big a deal for obviously our UK people who are watching on fight who weren't seeing the commercials and myself because I managed to see the whole thing picture in picture in Canada. But I mean, all the comments that we were getting from American viewers were just like, don't know what's happening. They just, they popped up, they were on top of the cage or all the, the boarding was ripped up. And that is a big deal because I had a similar complaint when I was watching NXT this week where during the opening match, Falls Count Anywhere with Swerve, Scott and Leon Ruff, they did a whole backstage segment where they fought around the gym and all that, all in commercial that they got to see picture in picture and I didn't. So mm. I I totally see what the, they what these people are saying in terms of that. I didn't have as big an issue with it, but when you saw like Chris Jericho climbing the side of the of the cage and he can't get to the top until they come back from commercial. So you're just kind of yeah. sitting there like, all right, yeah, we'll just and wait. Like, and even on the fight feed, which was really great. And like it was good because I didn't really notice the ad breaks a lot until the end of the match. Like that was when I really started to notice. Like, as you said, there was that moment when Chris Jericho was stopped on the cage and Andy and Louie were just like, why is he stopped? Like, why isn't he just going up? And I just turned to you and I said, Tempest, are you still on a commercial? And you said, yep. And I was like, that'll be why then. And then all of a sudden I heard Excalibur go, and we're back from commercial. And Jericho starts climbing again. And I was like, right, yeah. well, there you go. He was waiting for his cue. And I think there were moments during the match where the wrestlers, they didn't stop but they were purposefully like not doing as much because it's like, right, we're in commercial break. Don't do too much because we need to wait till we get back and then we can do the next spot. And I really do think that kind of, that hampers the impact that a war game match should have. And I think it impacted the, the impact that this match should have had. And I said this on the podcast many, many weeks ago, we actually did a poll about it and the poll was, you know, very much in favor of what me and Ollie were saying. This should have been on pay-per-view. 
this should have been saved for the pay-per-view where you wouldn't have had this. Or, and actually we've got uh, an Omega chat about this. I think it's an Omega chat. Well, someone might send it to me on, on Twitter or something. They should have got a sponsor got a sponsor for the match or something because Ooh. then you could have basically just had that sponsor just every now and again and be like this match is brought to you by Domino's and or like whoever it is like who like whatever you want to be sponsored by it's like this match is brought to you by Domino's you don't have to cut to commercial breaks or find a way that you didn't have commercial breaks in there because I do think that it's yeah like maybe I'm I'm being the the wrong drum here but I think that it did have it hampered the match somewhat yeah I, I actually quite like that idea of a sponsor just taking the place of a commercial break and something like this. And yeah, I understand them wanting this to be like, this is going to be our biggest rating ever. You know, we're, we're left alone on Wednesday nights and we're going to have this match that we were going to have a year ago. And we're going to do a, a million and a half viewers, whatever the case may be. I totally get that. But at the same time, in terms of the quality of the match itself, which is what we're here to review. I think if this was the main event of double or nothing, they probably would have been able to pace the match a little bit better because even if the flow of the match isn't necessarily altered, you wouldn't have guys like we're going, 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 going slow because we're in commercial. Go, 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 go slow. You take all that out. And I don't know that everyone would be happier with the match, but I think a good portion of the American audience certainly yeah. would be. I agree. And like, I actually saw someone say in the comment there was like, even if this was on pay-per-view with that same finish and with the Jericho spot, you still would have got those criticisms. And I totally get that. And, but like, I think that those criticisms are unfair. I think the criticisms at the pacing of the match because of commercial breaks, I think that is 100% fair. But like Tempest said at the start of this, I loved this finish because it was yeah. more or less the finish that I was expecting, like you said, but with the roles reversed, I thought it'd be Sammy and Jericho sacrificing himself. But actually, I'm, I think I'm the fool here. I think it makes so much more sense for it to be Jericho because this feud is between Jericho and MJF. So MJF saying like, oh, I'm going to throw you off the thing and then don't be like, no, don't. And then he's like, oh, it's like I did it anyway. Yeah. I think that adds so much fuel. It's like to set up a Jericho MJF singles match potentially at double or nothing. I agree. And I definitely like there. I don't think this was a bad finish, you know, and I don't think that if you reverse the roles that it would have been a bad finish there either. But there's just different ways to look at it, because when I had envisioned this with the roles reversed and Sammy getting something happened to him, I didn't necessarily think he was going to get pitched off the cage. But Sammy's in trouble and Sam and Jericho surrenders the match to save him. I thought that would do more to make Jericho this endearing baby face after the match that he protected his friend and sacrificed this match on his behalf. And then you do something to Sammy. And so Jericho's getting revenge for what happened to Sammy, as opposed to getting revenge for what happened to him. Mm. Obviously I think both yeah. are, are equally fine, but I don't know. That was just kind of my thought process going in. So when I saw something very similar to what I was thinking, I was like, ah, it's nice when you feel smart, like you kind of figured <laughs> yeah. it out. You figured yeah, it yeah. out enough to be like, ah, we're on the same page there, Tony, you know? And, and I think for your first one, doing a surrender finish, I think is very, very important to establish that as a finish of the match. So I, I think going with a surrender finish is definitely the smartest call. I think having the pinnacle win is definitely the right call there. I think like the pinnacle should be the team that coming out on top of particularly this match. And we'll see what happens when you get to MJF versus Jericho. But I think the pinnacle definitely should have win here. It definitely should have been MJF as to be the one that did this. And what I absolutely loved about this match outside of the finish is that this felt like an actual war. 
this felt like two teams that hated the piss out of each other and just like they didn't want like they weren't interested in doing spots or this they just wanted to kill each other they just wanted to go in there and just beat each other up and even when there were like some like sammy like you know he tried too many uh springboard spots and he slipped on one of them but like i didn't mind it because it adds to that just like the scrappy nature of war war isn't a pretty thing and this did feel like two tribes going to war and there's that moment when jericho gets in and you had the two face yeah that's captain america's civil war moments yeah, Team Iron Man and Team Cap down one side. It's like, are we doing this? Yeah, we're doing this. And they just charge at each other and just like jumping over the ropes. And I absolutely loved, 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 loved the, the passion and the, the, the fire from all 10 men that were in this match. Yes. This, because I saw a lot of comments and people on Twitter saying like, I don't understand how this can be a great match when there were so many botches. And I was like, but you don't understand, like, especially a match like this, like, if you're doing a match that's purely choreographed spots, then yes, if you blow a few of those spots, it will suffer because that's the point of that match. The spots were not the point of this match. It was the atmosphere and it was the fight and it was these two teams hating each other. And we still got that. So when you see things that aren't necessarily as like clean and polished, like I think Wardlow like grabbed someone and tried to put them on his shoulders and he like fell down hanging, doing yeah. it. Yeah, like that's that's realistic to me that's just he's he's fighting against four guys and he tried to pick one up and he's fallen down and it's a fight i had i had no issue with with any of that and the standoff moment to me i thought looked so much better than the one that they did in nxt years ago and i'm not just trying to compare everything to to nxt obviously but that the one from NXT where Undisputed Era and then Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and uh, War Raiders were on the other side, that to me felt incredibly choreographed because they all took like one slow step, another slow <laughs> step, and you get to and you got to do the camera shot is going up and down. Wasn't a big fan of that because it takes me out of it. But if you have a match like this where they're on either side of the ring and they're just like, all right here's the play let's just let's just go full tilt full tilt sprint and then they go it feels again more like a fight like they are just going at it because they hate each other as opposed to this is the part of the match where we gotta where we gotta do our spot where we go and, and clash together in the middle yeah and it was even I like, like the atmosphere so like like Ortiz was on the uh the pinnacle side like when the when Jericho got in Santana was there and it wasn't like Santana just got up and walked over now like the yeah. pinnacle were essentially like dragging him and throwing him over to their side of the ring being like this one is yours like not as a case of like because now we need to stare off it's just like <laughs> no like this match is now officially beginning let's start this on an even playing field and let's just go at it and there was some really cool stuff in this like i loved the the gory special into the cage i loved the barbed wire i loved the fact that ftr pulled up the boards and then they were the ones who got the spike pile drivers uh, from santana and ortiz with sammy i thought that was a really nice touch i loved that they tried to make a big star out of wardlow in this match Mm -hmm. like wardlow gets in and ftr are down like ftr and um uh, sean spears are down and so like santana uh, ortiz and sammy just sort of like all sort of like gingerly almost like walk up to him all three of them go like one takes one leg one takes the other leg the other one tries to go on top and wardlow's just like nope i'm sorry i'm so i am the mountain and you are all pedro pascal and i am yep. just gonna start like throwing you all left right and center and it was can you say which episode of game of thrones i saw recently and um <laughs> I and he's just like 
<laughs> literally watched it last night and so like you see you know so throwing them all around and it's just it was really really cool it felt like a real big like i don't want to say a star making moment for wardlow because i think they've been doing a, a really good job of like slowly building wardlow and slowly giving him these moments and this is just another one of those yeah that was a cool wardlow moment yeah and because we said last night, I was not terribly excited for Wardlow's debut in 2019. It was just like, oh, okay, it's a big muscly guy. And you put him with MJF, and that's cool. He gets a he gets a heater. But every big moment they've done with Wardlow since then, like they haven't given him too much to do. Like they'll put him in the cage match with Cody, where you just throw him around and then take a big bump, and that's that's the match but he totally shined in that match and he's totally shined in the singles matches he's had since like he faced jungle boy i think he's faced hangman page both of those matches have been good and then you have something like this where you get to be a highlighted performer in one of the biggest matches in dynamite history maybe the biggest match in dynamite history that's really big and he keeps stepping up i don't necessarily want him to be like aew world champion next week or anything but this is a very clear progression of a guy they have high hopes for. And he's proving that they are right to have those high hopes. Yeah. And the whole match built up to... So the inner circle were like standing tall in all of this. FTR had the spike pile drivers onto the exposed wood. Sammy did the coast to coast onto Sean Spears. They even managed to lay out Wardlow in all of this. Like, you know, it takes all of them to take Wardlow down. And so MJF escapes with the help of Tully Blanchard and he goes up to the top of the cage. Now, of course, Pro wrestling, that's fine. Because like in an actual fight, that makes zero sense. But you know what? pro wrestling, so it's fine. He escapes up to the top of the cage. Jericho follows him. They have a battle up there. Walls of Jericho teasing a tap out spot. And actually, you and I said, like, I loved that MJF's reversal of the Walls of Jericho was a low blow. Like, he literally just turned around and was like, just punched him in the dick. And I was like, I've been watching Chris Jericho wrestle for like 30 years. How have I never, like... I don't think I've ever seen that reversal of of the walls. I might I might have been completely missed an obvious one, but like I feel like in the sort of twenty five years that I've been watching Jericho, I don't think I've ever seen him do that. No, and me neither. And like I've I have watched a lot of Chris Jericho matches over the years, and this like it feels like when you watch it, you're like, how has someone not done that before? I guess yeah. it is kind of like situational, like it needs to be a no DQ situation and he probably would need to be the baby face because I think that might be a big key to it as all of Chris Jericho's top runs have come as a heel. So he's not yeah. necessarily getting low blowed in the big no DQ blow off matches, but still like he's been a baby face from time to <laughs> yeah. time. Like no one thought like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to low really. blow you for the heat. Yeah. And so, like, then we had the salt of the earth uh, from MJF. A couple of attempts on that, like, he was even, like, biting the wrist trying to make Jericho tap out. And then he hits him with the diamond ring, the very, very protected diamond ring spot. And I know we got a hyper chat about this later on, but they didn't like that it was, like, that Jericho sold it for so long. But I think, like, this is a, the probably one of the most protected things in AEW is the diamond ring. Mm -hmm. So he hits him with the diamond ring, essentially has knocked him out, and he stands him up, and he's going to throw him off the edge. Sammy because like all of the other uh, pinnacle guys are laid out, Sammy and the rest of Inner Circle are on the outside. They're begging for him not to do it. And Sammy says, look, we surrender. Don't do it. Name Jeff's like, ha ha ha, I won. Ain't I great? I'm better than you and you know it, et cetera, et cetera. And then he looks at Jericho and he's like, nah, I'm going to do it anyway. Like F you and just pushes him. And he's like, long live the king. <laughs> and, sort of like, and pushes him off. And Jericho takes this big flat back bump. You know, it's like the Rikishi one from Armageddon 2000. And he lands, and I think 
the bump is good. And I think the story behind the bump is good. I don't think the looking back on it in hindsight, like I, in the moment I was like, Oh wow, that was really cool. But the more you see replays of you, like, Oh man, actually this, the camera really caught the fact that this is, you know, they caught him right onto the padding. Like the, the, the metal that he landed on was painted cardboard and that sort of like crumpled up and stuff. And it's like, so I'm, I'm very much in two minds of this one. So glad it was safe. That is, I'd so much rather than that because you know what I don't want to have? A Matt Hardy situation with Sammy Guevara. Yep. Like that is the last thing that you want. And that is something that AEW got heavily criticized for last year. So I'm actually like, I'm not going to demonize a company for protecting a wrestler when they're taking a bump. I will, however, say if you if you do like rehearse the spot and you can see that the camera is going to catch it, don't use that camera angle. Use a different camera angle. Like find a different way to shoot this. Cut away to something else. So it, the the production of this hurt the spot. But you know what? The at the end of the day, the most important thing is that Jericho was not the one hurt. And so I'm I'm totally I, I have no issue with the crash pad. No issue with that whatsoever. But you could have hidden it with better production. Yes, and to me, I think that plays into AEW still being a young company. And these are the learning experiences and the growing pains that you get. Because, yeah, they're doing incredible business. They have an incredible product. Every, like, obviously, we're big fans of it. There are so many people who are fans of it. And they've gotten a lot more uh, exposure than you necessarily would if you were just a regular wrestling company two years in. So they don't exactly get the same opportunity to make mistakes on a smaller level and fix those mistakes before they get exposure. So when you have moments like this, like you have, you have the Matt Hardy situation, which I think everyone would like to take back. And then you learn from that and maybe you overcorrect and have a really flimsy crash pad, but I'm not going to demonize them for, for protecting their stars. I think just, Oh yeah, guys learning how to shoot pro wrestling and direct pro wrestling properly. We'll look at this and be like, okay, next time we'll choose a different angle or we'll have the camera follow him differently and things like that. But on the whole, like I'm not going to, to look back at this like poorly. I'm just going to no. be like, oh yeah, that was the ending spot. And he, he fell on a bed. Yeah. And like for me at the end of the day, because I'm so invested in this story, it's one of those moments where you're like, well, I can, I'm, I, honestly, it, it doesn't bother me that I saw the crash pad because, like, I, I it didn't take me out of the moment when it and it mm -hmm. and it might have done. Like, uh, for example, um, Triple H Undertaker at WrestleMania X Seven, right? Like, when you very clearly see Triple H like landing on the crash pad, um, and actually, and you know what? And that's actually, I think that one's worse because the shot they have of Triple H going off the um, the stage is really great, and yeah. then they chose to show him laying on the crash pad, and like that second shot because I'm not, I wasn't hugely into that story at the time. That's where I was like, well, that's a bit lame because he's just hanging on there. But because I'm actually sort of like, I'm invested in, in Jericho's story and MJF and Sammy and the inner circle and the pinnacle, I actually am kind of willing to sort of like look past it. But I do hope that it's a learning moment for, the, for them as a company that, like you said, like, you know, perhaps this is an overcorrection after the Matt Hardy thing. It's, you know, if you do it rad once, you'd hope you don't do it too uh, bad a second time. Like producer Rich is, you know, he's a, a man with a lot of production experience behind him. And he was just saying in the chat, there's like, I guess you feel the impact with a close perspective shot. So there is totally the argument to do the shot that they did. But by doing that, you exposed that it was a very, very safe bump to take. So you do have to find that balance. And unfortunately they didn't find the balance on this occasion.
Yeah, and I honestly don't even think that the camera shot itself was poor because I think it was, you know, good pro wrestling camera work often shoots the big bumps from a low angle. That's what you do. You don't want to shoot up high and watch them fall because you don't get that same perspective. But them shooting the crash pad and being able to see that the crash pad probably didn't hurt Jericho that much, that's something that can be then corrected for next time. And maybe that also goes into like the props that were used, that you can use different materials and maybe just, I don't know. I'm not into props. I don't know how that area of the business works. (laughs) But you can find a different way to do that. Maybe like have the crash pad underneath something and have like tear away a tearaway top where he lands and just disappears. You know, I think that would have been a cooler visual and you wouldn't have seen the crash pad underneath. So there's different things you can do and learn from to try again next time. But again, like I'm not going to to nitpick this too much. Like it's an issue and I'm not going to have too big of a, a problem if someone says that that took them out of the match. But for me, it didn't. Now, on the stream last night, you said that you thought this was a five out of five match, like you that it was a five star match. Do you do you stand by that or, or, or has like a bit of sleep and a bit of time, a bit of hindsight changed your minds? A bit of hindsight has changed my mind a little bit. I would probably say like like I, number scores are arbitrary anyway, but I would oh, probably yeah. say this is somewhere in the neighborhood of like four and a half stars, because the more that I've thought about it, the I'm not a huge fan of them leaving the cage. That is mm-hmm. something that yeah. I saw and was like, I, uh, this to me, cause I've never liked the idea of leaving hell in a cell and doing things like that or leaving the steel cage. Like you're in a cage, you should be locked in the cage and them leaving the cage in blood and guts. I was like, uh, whatever. Okay. You know, like it played into the finish really well. Obviously, it set up the the going over. So I understand why they did it. But for future matches, I would prefer if everything stayed in the cage. That and I would have maybe liked to have seen more play between the two factions leading to the finish, as opposed Mm -hmm. to like inner circle wipes out the pinnacle. And then they are just on the on the ground saying no stop. Because, again, I like the finish, but if this was five guys attacking Sammy in the ring and Jericho's, like, I don't know, handcuffed to the cage or something and can't help him and has to surrender, I think that would have done more to elevate the whole faction. And I know we've heard reports that, you know, people backstage think the money of the, the angle is still Jericho and Sammy as opposed to Inner Circle and the Pinnacle. But... I would kind of like to see more inner circle pinnacle play because I think there's a lot of really fun storyline possibilities to do there. So those, those two things were basically my only real criticisms of the match and it does bump it down a little bit, but I still think this is like one of the best matches on dynamite like ever really. Yeah. I think for me, all of my quibbles about this come from the production more than anything else. Like it is, it's the the commercials breaking the flow. It's the, uh, the the filming of the bump after the match. Like that's the stuff that kind of takes me take does take me a little bit out. Like I know I just said that it doesn't, but like in, you know, in reality, it's it sort of does. It doesn't. It doesn't in a way. And I think that that's where I I don't I couldn't give this a five out of five. And, I, and I'll be honest, with you, in my review, I gave the show a four out of five because I thought that 
your it was your big main event. It's the thing you've been hyping for weeks on end. And I think those little things do take people out of it. And I think particularly the commercial break side of things is uh, the the biggest, the most egregious thing of this. Um. So, but I but overall, like it, just taking away production side of it, loved this match. Absolutely mm. loved it because I loved the story that they were telling within this. I loved the performance that all ten men gave. I loved actually like the majority of the spots ruled, and I loved like. And I, I've, I've said this enough now, but like, man, like this felt like a war. And I loved that. Like, that's so cool. Like that, these felt like two teams. And I think it really was helped by the promo last week between them during the parlay of like, right. you know, it was Dax Harwood's comments of just like, you know, you better hug your children and tell them you're not coming home. Like a lot of this stuff, like I've made peace with my family that I'm not going to be coming back the same man that I'm, I'm leaving today. So like, I, I, yeah, I, I think there's, so much of this uh, comes down to the drama and the performance and that for like is just so so great and i absolutely loved it um we have gone for about half an hour just giving our thoughts on the match so we're going to dive into the ultra chats now i wonder if the ultra chats might take us through right till the end of the show because <laughs> we've gotten it i mean it's possible now because i just as a quick update we have now got nearly seven pages that's just around this main event and a All few right. other people who've got comments about other things up and down the show so just quickly to kick off like we'll just quickly cover the other things that happened on this show you had the tag match at the start with moxley and kingston versus omega and michael nakazawa which was really fun but i think the the thing to talk about here the two things really is that most likely getting Moxley and Kingston versus the Young Bucks for the tag titles at Double or Nothing. And next week, Kenny Omega's Double or Nothing um, challenger is being decided between Orange Cassidy and Pac. Yes, I've actually come around on this in the last few hours because when it happened, I know Louie and I were saying like, uh, Orange Cassidy in a pay-per-view main event, I don't know if I see it, you know. I have completely changed my mind since then because I wasn't taking into account that this is going to be a full capacity building. Mm -hmm, and yeah. I was there at AEW revolution 2020 <laughs> when pack and orange Cassidy had their match and the entire crowd just completely lost it over orange Cassidy. And I'd been, I've been saying for the whole last year that I don't think orange Cassidy necessarily works as well with a limited audience because he's so integral to fan reaction now what better way to put on your first pay-per-view back with a live crowd than putting arguably the most popular live performer in the main event for the aew world title and if they are able to give you a moment where you think orange cassidy might actually win that to me could be like one of the most defining moments in aew's history yeah, I, I agree. I, th I think it could be a, a really, and I think we're most likely getting it to be Orange Cassidy as well. And because of the promo that, that Kenny Omega cut, and it was a really, really good promo as well that Omega cut him. I love like just being like, oh, a comedy wrestler. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool because you're playing so, you're doing so much comedy at the moment. So like that, that works really nicely to be then you yourself are disgusted at a comedy wrestler. <laughs> so I think there's some really nice stuff that could be done in there. And like Omega, I think, uh, and Cassidy would have an amazing match. And like, you're totally right. Like the first match, like in front of the full capacity AEW crowd, it totally makes sense. And, I, and I'm, I'm really, really in for that. Um, we also had on this show, what else happened on this show? Um, QT Marshall and Cody Rhodes had a, you know, it's a, a fine little match. Uh, and I think we're going to get Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo at Double or Nothing, which I think could be a, like that could be a potential star making match for, for Anthony Agogo, who like they seem really super high on at the moment. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see how far along he is. Cause we haven't seen him do that much. And obviously I think like Cody's a very old school worker, so he can, he can smoke in mirrors. I get it. That was his old theme song. He can smoke <laughs> in mirrors this match with Anthony Agogo and manage to pull the most out of him while not exposing any weaknesses he may have. I just don't know what those weaknesses or strengths might be yet. Obviously he's got a very good look, but we haven't seen enough of him in the ring to really gauge what we're working with here. So if that's the match, I think there will be a lot of eyes on it. Just saying like, all right, what are we actually working with here? Like, what have we got in Anthony Agogo? And I hope he, I hope he pulls it off. Uh, we also had this comment from Kevin uh, that said, I really want to see Pac versus Omega at double or nothing. But I was also a bit confused when everyone was worried about Derby, when the guy put him, puts himself at risk all the time. Won't be watching live, but looking forward to the podcast. So this will be in reference to, uh, there was a promo segment with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page and Derby attacked both of them. And then they eventually beat up Derby and threw him down some concrete steps you know also i don't think helped the jericho spot either because we literally saw uh, one of the other guys throw himself down a set of concrete steps and it, it's funny as well because jericho literally did like interviews this week where he's like yeah we're like really focusing in production meetings about making sure that we don't have repeat spots on a show and i'm like ah i probably I did, did you not have that production meeting for this week's episode <laughs> then is that is that something that starts next week um but yeah like i i i, I know you can make the arguments like why everyone's worried because like I mean, he fell down some concrete steps and that looks like it yeah. really helped. I'm worried. I'm worried when he does any of his spots. Yeah. Like it's, he's a guy who obviously like could be in the cast of Jackass or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he likes doing this sort of thing for sure, but that doesn't mean that he won't end up maybe getting really hurt one of these days. Like when he took the body bag power bomb at all oh, out last gross. year, he was hurt. He was off TV and I really like Darby Allen. I don't want him to be off TV. So when I see him rolling downstairs, I was like, oh God, don't break your neck, please. Don't be a fool, man. Um, <laughs> and he's going to be facing Miro next week as well for the TNT Championship, which I think, you know, a lot of us kind of saw, foresaw and I, I think we're going to get like a complete Miro squash here. And now that Darby's got this like, you know, rolling down the stairs thing, like that can kind of protect him in the loss as well. Just being like, it was almost too many things for him to overcome. So I think we are looking at Miro TNT champion next week. And I am so, so in for that. I'm totally on board. Like this is the Miro that I've been waiting to see throughout his entire run of AEW. This is the Miro, Miro that I've been hoping to see since he was doing like the stupid comedy segments in WWE. Like he's got so much charisma as both a baby face and a heel. And now he's just showing like, yeah, this is what I've been all along. And I just wasn't given <laughs> the opportunity. And it's, it's fantastic. He doesn't feel like anyone else on the show. He feels like an old school foreign heel, but with a new twist to him because he's so new age and can wrestle so well. He's not just like a big bear. That's just going to go well, and also, maul you. Yeah. And also his promos aren't just like, do you know who's stupid? America. America. You're all no, that, stupid. <laughs> that's Anthony Agogo's promos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Nick Corvello has also said, hey guys, I find it bizarre that Baker is getting all of the focused matches and promos in this program with no retorts from Hikaru Shida. Fields obviously telegraphed towards a Baker victory. So I feel like Shida will retain to keep AEW less predictable. Yes, we are, like they officially confirmed it's going to be Shida versus Baker at double or nothing for the women's title, a match that I'm really, really looking forward to. I now hope that they are going to ramp something between like because they've like i agree with what nick said they've done a lot of build for baker but kind of less for shida so i'd like to see some real stuff from shida now against baker in the, the you know few weeks that we've got left before double or nothing yes i think they've kind of been in a difficult position with this angle for the last few weeks because obviously you needed to give Britt baker a bunch of wins before you could say oh she's the number one contender she's going to be facing hikaru shida and until recently hikaru shida was dealing with ty conti so her her uh attention was elsewhere and they just announced the match and they just shot a bit of an angle like a week ago where they pointed to the the rankings and it's like oh i'm next and i don't think you could have done much on this show to do to build that up because you only had so much time in the first hour so if they if this is still a problem next week then i'll have a bit of an issue with it and be like okay come on Put some respect on your AEW Women's World Championship. It'll be like a year of being champion at Double or Nothing. And if she loses, that should be like a really big deal. And I want them to push it as such. Yeah, totally. Like we've still got three weeks left. So I think there's still time yeah. for it. Um, because we've got a stacked old show next week. Bloody hell, they've got a stacked show, including John Moxley versus Eugene, uh, Eugene Nagata, which I'm very, very excited for. And Christopher Jazzcat has come and say, I'm super hyped for Nagata versus Mox. But where is Mox versus Zack Sabre Jr.? Zack Sabre Jr. is the best. And then says, lots of, oh, Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> Oh, oh man, I can't wait to be back into a crowd to do all that again. Um, and Levi Newsman says, What are your thoughts on either Bucks versus Moxley and Kingston or Sheeda versus Baker main eventing double or nothing? I think Omega versus Orange Cassidy is a great attraction that can shine as a territory headliner while given room uh, higher on the card for other divisions. And I think that's actually a very good point there. It's like, yeah, Kenny Omega versus Cassidy is a big thing, but like, is that your main event of the show? Whereas mm-hmm. I think actually Bucks versus Moxley and Kingston does feel like a main event program above the, the Omega match. Interesting. I mean, I could I could see it. I don't particularly look at the Bucks Moxley Kingston match as a as a main event match on a pay-per-view. I think they could have a really great match and deliver a main event caliber match, but I don't know that that necessarily is the match people are going to buy the pay-per-view for either. So I don't know. I'm kind of wishy-washy on it where I don't (laughs) think any of those matches are necessarily like the big pay-per-view main event that you want, but I think they will go with Omega and Orange Cassidy just because of the reactions that Cassidy will get. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right, well, let's get it because we are now up to eight pages of Omega Chats <laughs> oh, around God. this topic. So we may be here for a little while. Uh, Noah Fortner says, the match was amazing, but the closing spot, I feel, was poorly framed. If they did a wide shot from the side to catch all of the inner circle and their reactions on the outside while Jericho was falling, I don't think as many people would be complaining, uh, which I, I do agree with. Um, Gia Carmo said, um, and I didn't set Unreal I, I didn't set Unreal Crikey, get my words out. Um, <laughs> also, I'd just like to point out as well, I've got my first cameo booking. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys. I've got my first one from the... Uh, from Book me on cameo, everyone. I'll do birthday wishes and everything. My first one's just come through. Um, sorry, Giacomo said, I did not set unrealistic expectations. I like the match, but it had flaws. The wrestlers did great. The production hurt the match a lot. Camera work wasn't great. Sammy cut out while saying, I surrender. And the sequence was poorly shot. The match started dragging when the pinnacle was down and the inner circle was beating them up. Fork spot, etc. Until the ending sequence. They didn't even play pinnacle's music when the bell rang. It started later and lasted 10 seconds. The timing was bad. I will come to the defense of the fork spot, though. I, I really like, I, I appear to be one of the few, I and mean, I know you are as well, but we appear to be so few of the, the only few people that really enjoyed the fork spot. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I, I don't know what stuff like this is, because, I mean, even, like, Andy and Louie were just like, oh, what's going on? It's a fork. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is, this yeah. is war. And I like that it happens with guys like Santana and Ortiz, where sometimes you see matches like this and guys kind of act out of character. 
Like if if Sean Spears pulled out a fork and did it, I'd be like, well, that doesn't really track with his character. But I like that the more like like brooding and and buff and and brutal members of of this match were the ones that that were doing stuff like this. I didn't have any problem with the fork spot. The rest of it, like. Yeah. I don't know. I I didn't have any kind of issues with uh, the pinnacle being down and the inner circle beating them up and everything like that. To me, it was just like that was the comeback of the match, you know. Yeah. And maybe it may have lasted a a little long, but I think that's I, I certainly didn't notice again. it. Yeah. I think that's under the commercial breaks again, really. And yeah. also, I, I want to give a shout out to Santana doing that fork spot as well for biting it and to make it more jagged. Made it feel like really brutal. I thought it was cool. Uh, someone Velasquez, who knew what he was doing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Anthony Velasquez said, the ending was a bit underwhelming, but I don't think that AEW botched blood and guts. It was still a damn good match, in my opinion. Jack Nichols said, Jericho landed on a comfy mattress, but I wanted to see 50-year-old man on cold concrete and see his limbs fly off in all directions like some sort of mortal combat fatality sarcasm aside loved it these are an ongoing uh, story muchos lovage uh kevin says the main event in ring work was really good but the pacing of the match was hurt by the commercial breaks especially when jericho took his sweet time to climb the structure camera work was a bit disappointing a lot of spots were missed i didn't get why people are complaining about surrendering i've never watched a wcw war game so i don't know if it's common or not it made sense story-wise also mgf pushing y2j off the top was perfect uh, because it made the better ending no matter what age we should protect especially after the Matt Hardy incident. I'm sure there's a better way of staging the fall to make it look more credible, especially when Mox and Brody had a similar spot last year. But AEW, in the end, did do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, Charles, yeah. Uh, Charles Berger's got some fantasy booking here. He said, here's my finish. All men laid out except for MJF and Sammy. Sammy puts cash in the walls of Jericho, staring down Max. Max gets Jericho in a chair and threatens to bash his skull in with, the Jer- with uh, Floyd. Sammy surrenders to save Chris. MJF still bashes Chris's head in. That kind of, that still works, actually. Yeah. 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 I, I was just thinking something more along this line of just like, basically the finish they did, but in the cage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really liked your idea about the mean like handcuffed as well. Like I think that's a really nice visual of being handcuffed and stuff. Um, mm. Holopan said AEW do such a good job each week that I feel we can set unachievable expectations for big events. Where the other company deliver mainly turds, we set low expectations and mediocre becomes over delivered. Blood and guts delivered, and in the process made Sammy a star. Um, Portuguese Mr. Davis says, hey, lads, just like Mr. Davis, I'm back after a break due to uni. I really like the Omega and Orange segment. The main event was great, but those minutes of pause with MJF and Jericho, I did not like. Also, ad ruined the pace of the match. Overall, a very high four out of five. Uh, Regarding my last Omega chat, I'm not saying the main event was bad. It's 10 great performers having a great match. The ad slowed the pace down. Uh, Peter Mullen said, I love the show. I reckon the biggest issue was US fans got spammed by four ad breaks mid-match, and it took them out before the finish. I watched in the UK. There were no commercials. Turns out the real heel was U.S. capitalism all along. Who could have thought? <laughs> I mean, I, I did say this on the show yesterday, but man, I feel so bad for our American viewers. Like, it must be—it's a nightmare watching television. Like, I, I so my first time I went to the states was in 1998, um, and I remember watching TV and I was watching an episode of The Simpsons, and like the credits for The Simpsons ran, and then a commercial break happened, and I'm like. What do you mean a commercial break is happening now? You've just played the intro to this. And then you got a little bit of it, and then you got another commercial break, and then you got another bit, and then another commercial break. And then they had another commercial break before the goddamn credits roll. And I'm like, why is there so many commercials for this? Like here in the, like, if you are unaware, in the UK, if you have a half hour show, that is one ad break. 
you have just one ad break in the middle of the show and it's like four or five minutes and that is it that's all of your ad breaks you're going to get for that half hour product that sounds so nice i mean the only <laughs> time the only time that i really notice that sort of thing is when they do uh like sport radio on tv here because they will load up the commercial break so as to not interrupt the flow of conversation where they will do just eight minutes of commercials at the end of the show where mm -hmm. sports radio stations will like sign off at like 852 and then the last eight minutes of the hour will just be commercials but yeah it's not much better here we basically run with the same uh, the same rules for <laughs> commercials oh god uh one commercial break that sounds so nice Oh, it's wonderful. Um, you get you get three if it's an hour-long show. Uh, Raygon411 said, of course they didn't botch the stipulation. Just another sad excuse for people to make weak criticisms. Unfortunately, people didn't like the way match finished, but that doesn't make it a botch. AEW still winning, logical booking, and A-plus TV. Uh, Nate Schultz said, are wrestling fans ruining wrestling? Saying the match was ruined because of the plywood wasn't silver on the back and there was a crash pad. What an entitled lot we have become. And then, I mean, that is a, a kind of a, a good point in that. I would say that, like, this sort of criticism is, you know, always been around in wrestling. It's just, it's been in various different places. Like, it was just, previously it was on message boards, and now it's mm -hmm. with social media. It's just more out in the open. We just saw it's amplified more than it used to be. Uh, Greg Murphy said, hated the ending of Blood and Guts, not the fall, as silly as it was, but why would Sammy surrender? It wasn't that high. You could get beaten up and bloodied for 40 minutes, but God forbid drop eight feet. Match was kind of sloppy. Y2J so much more over than the others. I don't know, Greg. I think it's a bit more than eight feet in the air. Like it was oh, yeah. quite high. It was quite high up. That cage was like a legit 15 feet in the air. And yeah. you can't look at it like he's going to be pushed onto a bed, which in real life brain you think about but in theory he's going to get pushed off of this 15 foot cage onto the stage and that's gonna suck big time yeah and it's virtuous they're baby faces now you have to protect and sacrifice winning to save your leader like it's not necessarily like if it wouldn't make sense if this was the other way around i don't think because no. this is a heroic act of we can't we will forfeit the match to save our beloved Chris Jericho. And that's an important distinction to make where like these guys are baby faces and need to do a bunch of baby face acts to really get over as baby faces. And to me, this was one of them. I am um, back in my teenage years, uh, you know, showing my age here. Jackass was very popular when I was a teenager. Uh, it, On MTV? It, was brand, it, it was brand new at the time, and I, and I was a very susceptible teenager towards it. And um, I remember uh, being around a friend's house, and we set up a, um, a mattress in his backyard. And then his parents had a balcony. Uh, on their on their floor and i remember going up on and going up to the top of that balcony and just looking down towards that mattress because we were like we set up a camera for me to, and i was going to like just dive and just bounce off of it right mm -hmm. and i remember just looking down on it and, and being like god damn that's high like, this is this is really high up actually and i did jump and i and i started actually watching it back hilarious because i literally fall and I hit it and I just just do a big flip off of it. I basically go boing, boing, and I just sort of flip over it. And I tell you this, it sucked. It mm -hmm. really, really hurt. And it absolutely sucked. And I did not do it again. So yeah, I would 100% uh, look at Chris Jericho and be like, that's scary, man. It's scary to be up there. Oh, absolutely. I'd be terrified. Like, 
I haven't taken a whole lot of like crazy bumps, but like I've taken bumps off the top rope. And even that is still like, you're, you're high off the ground when you're doing that. And yeah. like, I can't imagine being 15 feet on top of a cage and just being like, you're going to push me and I'm going to go and I'm going <laughs> to oh, trust gonna you go. to not, I'm, I'm going to trust you to not push me too hard. So I overshoot this and Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, Phantom FTW said, I thought Blood and Guts was great. So brutal with over-the-top carnage. The uh, production let it down a little at the end, <clears throat> but it didn't ruin the match for me. Also, I watched on Fight with no picture-in-picture. 4.5 out of 5. Uh, RP Degnan said, I liked the match, but Jericho selling the punch as the freshest man for three minutes and most of the inner circle being outside the cage with nobody holding them back from even trying to catch him really killed it for me needed a snappier ending with better stagings this is the um comment i saw earlier and like and um reese did get in touch with me on twitter about this as well being like you know the i did say like oh, he hit him with a diamond ring which is a really protected move and the counter argument that reese gave was like well the pedigree is a really protected move but we still like thought it was done when uh booker t sold it for ages at wrestlemania 19 and I think the two are very different because people do yeah. kick out the pedigree. No one has kicked out of the diamond ring. Like that is like above anything in AEW. Like it is as protected as the one winged angel, mm. maybe even more so because someone has kicked out of the one winged angel. So it might be like the most protected thing in wrestling. So I had absolutely no issues whatsoever with Jericho selling this shot from this very, very protected weapon. No, to me, it was like an old school brass knuckles shot. You know, and to me, it is just a brass knuckles gimmick, just with a diamond ring instead of brass knuckles. And yeah. for a very long time, no one kicked out of brass knuckles. So, like, yeah, you can really protect a move, but a move is still a move. And hitting someone with a foreign object is still hitting someone with a foreign object and should be sold more and longer. Uh, Nick Corvello said, in regarding to the ending of Blood and Guts, I had no problem with the series of events. Love the drama, epicness, and action from beginning to end. The problem was the crash pad wasn't disguised well, and the steel panels clearly painted cardboard. Rain Tech said, people who complain about Spotfest and AEW complain that B, uh, Blood and Guts was not a Spotfest. Some people will complain about Spotfest next week, and how dare they not kill Chris Jericho by having him drop onto solid steel. I really enjoyed Blood and Guts. It delivered. Can, can I make one quick point about something? like this because i always try and avoid making comments like this because i would wager that it's not the same people who yeah. are on either side and that because it's very easy to just lump fans together into one big group and say like oh well these these people were complaining about the matt hardy thing and now people are complaining about the chris jericho thing i do think it's most likely two different camps of people maybe with a bit of overlap but it is like I just don't want to dismiss people's opinions. I think yeah. that's important. Like just oh, because yeah. there are criticisms on both sides doesn't mean that either side is invalid. Absolutely right. Yeah, like if you watched this match and you didn't like it, like that's like that's fine. Like it's okay that you did not like this match. You can, and I would love to hear the reasons why you don't. Like, that's why we I love having these omega chats is because I like to hear the uh, a counter argument to the thing that I very much enjoyed. And you know, like, tell me why you didn't enjoy it because I'm gonna I'm telling you why I liked it. So I'd like to, and it's a good open discourse. 
Uh, Will Tuckwell said, I find it slightly difficult to be mad that they didn't throw a 50-year-old dude onto actual concrete. Maybe it could have been hidden better, but is anyone actually mad they use a crash mat? Still a five-star match for me. Harry and Riddler said, great match. Could have been excellent with a few production tweaks and better timing for the ad breaks. Maybe when they do the next one, it'll be on pay-per-view or this episode does a good number and TNT will be more accommodating to keep it on TV. I would wager if this is on TV again, it will not have the same ad break problem. I, I, I almost, so. I would put Louis Dengor good money on that. Uh, yes, that that yeah. to me is the big piece because AEW learns from these things, and I have confidence in them to do it better the next time, as opposed yeah. to other companies where I wouldn't have the same sort of faith to learn from their mistakes. Uh, Jay Gupta said, what a poetic turn of events. Almost two years back, MJF surrendered a match, turned heel, and Jericho reached the top. Today, after one more surrender finish, he takes that spot from him. That's a very that's a very good point, actually. Also, Santana opening MJF was Mortal Kombat levels of gore. Oh, you want to talk about Mortal Kombat levels of gore? Bloody Cash Wheeler. Yeah, Jesus, Cash. man. Crikey. Uh, Rain Tech said, TNT viewers being bombarded with commercials is really poor. People should complain to TNT about it. They could have made a blood and guts match commercial free at least knowing it's a long fight maybe a sponsorship would have helped cover it that's the other side of this as well the commercial breaks are not aew's fault here it's the net the network decide when the commercial breaks go in so it's a conversation between the two parties that needs to happen like aw need to say like if we're going to do this again we need to like we need to find out a way not to have so many commercial breaks because do you know what tnt are interested in making money from adverts like, do you know what they're not interested in? You enjoying your TV products. Like, they don't care. They don't care if AEW is good. They just care that it makes them money. So if they're making money off the things, that's great for them. Uh, Chris Perez said they should have called this event Blade and Blood because we didn't get any guts. Um, Tejas Ray. Uh, Tejas Rage said, I don't understand how you can defend this show. Moxley Kingston getting beat again was repetitive. He did win, though. Um, you know, just like WWE. The Baker match was forgettable. The Cody one was illogical. Uh, the consistent camera cuts were Kevin Dunn bad. The botches, the end. Saying fans complained because of a safe bump is just irresponsible. We want the wrestlers to be safe. Just the bump could have been shot differently, which I, I think is, is pretty much what we have uh, said. And I think it's kind of what I was saying in the, the review as well. Um, but yeah, like, I think you can still, like, I think you can easily defend this show. It was a very, very yeah. good show, and I very much enjoyed the, the the match. Yeah, I didn't think Moxley and Kingston getting beating, beaten up again was repetitive. I mean, they haven't been beaten up on TV in weeks. They've been doing the beating up for, like, yeah. the, last the last month. The last couple of weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, you need to put the heat back on the feud for something like that. I didn't have a problem with that. I don't think, I don't think, uh, like, I don't know. There's a whole lot to this, like saying the Baker match was forgettable. I mean, it was a squash. That's squash kind match. of the point, you know, Cody. Yeah. Yeah. We pointed out in the, in the match that the belt spots and things that should be DQs, but I mean, that's AEW and I'm kind of desensitized to it, which I guess is a bad thing, but still here and there. And saying constant Cody matches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and saying constant camera cuts were Kevin done bad. Like, no, they weren't. I'm sorry. That I, is, yeah. inc I, that I, is I, incorrect. I, I think that is hyperbole to say it's Kevin Dunn's level of bad. Um, yeah. I didn't I didn't get motion sickness while watching the show, which is like, because Kevin Dunn isn't just the camera cuts, it's the crash zooms as well. That's yep. what makes it Kevin Dunn levels of bad. Um, 
Austin21 said, hi guys, I discovered this channel during Double or Nothing 2020 and have been a fan ever since. Uh, far as last night's Dynamite, I thought it was actually a really fun show. Yeah, Jericho's fall could have been shot better and it needed less commercial breaks, but that didn't ruin it for me. Uh, Paul Kerr said, honestly, I try not to do the tribalism crap, but get a wee botchy and uh, her like shotsy crappy, <laughs> sorry. I try not to get into the tribalism stuff, but get uh, Shotzi's crap toy tank in the bin. Her of all people. What are people honestly expecting? A broken back live on TV. Great main event. Should it not have been Spears and Sammy to start, though? Yeah, that's a pretty good point. I, I, I like that it was Dax starting because I, yeah. I love Dax so much. So, like, I didn't mind it being Dax to start. Like, I think you could make the argument for Spears, but Spears came in second. Um, mm. Yeah, so if you're not sure what that is in reference to, Shotzi Blackheart um, took a shot at the, um, the Jericho bump on Twitter by posting a gif of someone falling very gently onto a mattress and enjoying themselves. Um, and so, yes, yeah, like, but, you know, I like Shotzi Blackheart. I think her tank is fun. Nicholas Lama <laughs> said the commercials did make it for a rough viewing, but how dare the 50-year-old wrestler take a safe bump from the top of the cage? I enjoyed it. They told the story they needed to tell and make me want to tune in to see where they go next week. Stephen Goodman said the crash pad controversy makes no sense. I love mankind off the cell, but the miracle it's a miracle it didn't go wrong. Fair wrestlers being safe, doing big spots while keeping the town safe is the best of both worlds. Yeah, as has been pointed out by many people, uh, uh, you know, a lot of wrestlers have said, I saw Mick Foley walk into Hell in a Cell and I've seen him limp ever since. Mm -hmm. like, there is, a, a, you do not want that ever again. No, I, I will never, I will never lambast a company for erring on the side of safety. Adam Ulrich, I feel like Jericho's fall at the end would have been more impactful if he fell through the stage and out of sight onto crash pads. Would have made, uh, left a physical condition more in doubt. Matthew Robinson, the atmosphere before and during the match felt bigger than a pay-per-view. This felt like an event not to miss, especially with all the interviews. I think it hyped it up even more. Great camera work. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Nathan Sizemore, I've been an AEW fan before AEW was made official, and after the botched explosion and now this ending, I'm kind of disheartened, but hoping they can recover. Why why do big di and different stipulations if you can't deliver? Love you, boys. Jam that jam. NS Ogre says, um, FFS, they work their asses off. Enjoy it. People didn't lose their S word when WWE put people down on obvious crash pads under some plywood. Production wasn't what it needed to be, but remember how young the company is. Like, yeah, I think it's it's not fair to compare the two. One of them has been mm -hmm. making TV for 30 plus years. The other's been doing it for a couple of years. Mistakes aren't going to get made. The important thing is it's not to... It's not to focus on, it's to learn from them. And I think the AEW has shown that they are a company that do learn from these things, which we kind of you know, said a lot throughout this. Mm -hmm. uh, Stephen Guzman said, uh, I hate comparing the two, but how long do you think WWE conditioning will affect criticism towards AEW? I think it already has, Stephen. Um, there is a fair criticism to be had with AEW at times, but I feel a lot of this is WWE conditioning affects the reception to things a match uh, like this in a match. Yeah, Stephen, I think like since day one, AEW has been fighting a losing battle with some fans. There are just some fans out there that want this company to fail. And I just yeah. like, like there is a Twitter account that is just called like AEW botches. And mm -hmm. like all they do is just post like gifts and stuff of just like, not even botches, just things they don't like and be like, this company sucks. And yeah. like, so there are just people out there who have just wanted it to fail from day one. And there are people then who are just going to relish in a situation like this, where you can clearly see a crash bag. Cause they're like, see, told you this company's garbage exactly yeah i mean the one that always stood out to me the most was when i forget which one but it was one of the top flight guys and they were doing practicing just random stuff before before a show there was like a crash pad and someone else there and he like slipped off the top rope 
and it was like caught on camera and it was, everyone was like, oh, it was okay. But people like ran with it. I was like, oh, look at this garbage company. I can't believe this. And it was like, this is before a show, not on TV, practicing. This is quite literally the only place it's acceptable <laughs> to make this mistake. But people just want to people just want to be anti AEW. And I don't again, we don't dismiss all criticism against AEW as just people being anti AEW. But they're definitely always going to have that portion of the fan base that wants to see them fail. Exactly. And the same way there are those people who are, uh, you know, AEW hardcores that just want WWE to fail. So like it is, you know, it, it's extremes on on either side of any argument. There are like, you know, WrestleTalk as a company, we have had hardcore TNA fans hate <laughs> us for years because uh. we never because we didn't cover Impact enough. And we you know, it was during a period of time when Impact wasn't very good. Like they're great, like they're doing great stuff now, but there was a period of time when they were absolutely, it was rubbish television. We point out how it's rubbish television diehard impact fans used to hound us for not like not liking impact enough um stephen guzman um i oh know we just did that one matthew robinson said uh glad they waited for fans in a real feud that deserved blood and guts christopher Jazzcat, there are fans who hate to watch aew and s word on them no matter what yeah they're all in the fight chat as well uh, there's also <laughs> people who just see gifts for some aew fans it's the only wrestling they've ever seen outside of wwe then there's old school and world watching fans nothing pleases everyone Nate S said, I really liked the match. I feel like, uh, same with Revolution, the visual of the end bump didn't look as good as it could have done, and that's made a lot of people mad. Don't remember people being this upset when Stadium Stampede, and you could see the crash, the crash pads there either. Um, Chuck Cassis said, howdy y'all. I think the people were way overreacting about the match and the ending. It's 50 years old. I don't think people want a 50-year-old to be majorly hurt, and it's not, um, or it's not a good match. I loved the match. I thought the ending was decent. Love you. Peter Mullins, Tempest calling the finish ahead of time. I am so smart. I am so smart. S-M-R-T. I am so smart. <laughs> Understood that reference. Yeah, I understood that one. Uh, I'm with you guys. It's important not to have the biggest finish ever on the first B&G. Um, Hell in the Cell has never beaten Foley, and they've been trying for the last 23 years. Oof, isn't that the truth? Um, yeah. 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 I will yeah, also actually, say quickly, I enjoy doing these reviews with you because I can make Simpsons references. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's funny, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, actually, it's fun. a very good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. We should... Uh... People, people... We should do this more often. I can make. We should do this more often. Get rid of that, Mister Davis. We don't need him here. Just bring yeah, me back right. every he, week. He fired me. Like I shouldn't like that. <laughs> I should stop doing reviews with him. Uh, he actually said, "I love this match." Got uh, back into wrestling with AEW right before the pandemic. I started watching in the early two thousands when WWE then fell off around twenty ten. So I didn't get to watch all the old War Games or NXT's version. Keep up the great work. Jam that jam. Daryl JTR, for me, the match couldn't have been done much better. Sammy was great. Wardlow looked fantastic. And it was a lot of fun from start to finish. Dynamite and SmackDown are the two best weekly pro wrestling shows going right now. Very much agree with that. Though I do like NXT as well. Uh, Peter, yeah. Uh, Peter Mullen said, anyone else up for a pay-per-view of watching Hagar and Wardlow just beating each other up for three hours? Just me? Gotta love a hoss battle. It's a long, I'm, I'm sure long match. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you had me until you said three hours. Because I, <laughs> there'd be part of me that's like, oh, yeah, this is cool. This is a big, beefy match. And then after a while, I'd be like, it's still, still a beefy match, though, isn't it? Like, it's, <laughs> I got another two and a half hours of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Phil, 
Phil Roberts wasn't bothered with the crash mat. Taker visibly tombstone people on his knees for years, and no one said that's how it's done. When Owen dropped Austin on his head, <laughs> that said you could just not do it. Someone doesn't always need to be thrown off the roof. I think they wanted to do it for the first one. Yeah. Um, Christian Black, hey guys, thanks for the live stream. Blood and guts was really good, but it had its logic issues. If they already needed the uh, the if they need already from the experience of MJF not being trustworthy, then why did they trust that MJF was not going to throw him off anyway if they surrendered? It wasn't, It yeah, they were pleading with him. They didn't trust him not to do it. They were pleading with him not to do it and they surrendered so that he wouldn't do it. It wasn't a case of, we'll trust you, please don't throw him off, now we'll surrender. It, yes. was, a, it was a pleading case. I've seen a lot of people point this out where it's like, oh, well, the baby faces looked stupid because they gave up the match and then he did it anyway. That to me, I don't think shows that they're stupid. I think it's more just MJF is that big of a dick, you know, yeah. because this is what a hero has to do. You have to say, okay, we, we lose, we give up. Please don't do that. Please, please spare our, our leader. And then they do it anyway. Like that is heat on the villain as opposed to, the baby face is being dumb. Uh, LV Emerald said, love blood and guts overall to me. Wrestling is one, making otherwise dangerous act safe, while two, making them still look dangerous. If you can only achieve one perfectly, safety takes priority. Suspend your disbelief, even if the presentation could have been better. Christian Black, also on the Blood and Guts match, in a circle now look like gullible fools because they trusted MJF. I still stand by this. Much better ending would have been the inner circle to win in a fit of rage. MJF tosses him off, not show and uh, not shoving Jericho. I think the yeah, pinnacle needed to win. Yeah, I yeah. think the pinnacle needed to win this match. Uh, Dan said, I think the majority of the criticism has come from fans who have watched WWE products their whole life. Now realize that it sucks. Rather than enjoying a different product, they decide to say, no, this sucks too. Five out of five show, Omega, Derby, Cody, Blood and Guts, thumbs up. Connor Kennedy, I might need to get you uh, take over a little bit. My voice is running ragged here. Yep. Connor Kennedy. Hey, lads. A long time lover. First time Omega chatter. I loved the main event. I loved the finish. Even though I didn't notice the crash pads. Uh, and given the Matt Hardy stuff last year, I can honestly live with visible crash mats. Dry chicken without flavor. AEW Blood and Guts was an overall excellent main event, but AEW does need to do better with its finishes when it comes to special matches. I will hot tag over to you. All right. Uh, so Chris Petro says, uh, opinions on blood and guts are divisive for sure. So I want to send a positive message today. Love you guys and all the hard work you do. Simply thank you. Supporter of Russell Talk for, for, for life. HBC says, why do I feel people complaining about the crash pad? Also complain about Matt Hardy's concrete spot being stupid. Can't have it both ways. As someone with a fear of heights, Jericho's spot will always feel big and MJF feels more like a star. <laughs> Dried chicken Ooh. without flavor says MJF wins. Way. I'm also terrified of heights. Like, oh, oh, I'm not good with heights, me, man. Yeah, I wouldn't want to take this spot whatsoever. Uh, The Mikey Chaos says, just tuning in. I feel like a large commercial breaks were due to American culture relying so heavily on advertising (laughs) and not necessarily the fault of AEW or NXT. As an American, I never really noticed the breaks until other people started pointing it out. Yeah, we kind of went into detail about that. Yeah, you've been indoctrinated, Mikey Chaos. Like they, oh. they got you. That's how they get. I was watching. So yeah, I talked about this on the uh, live stream last night. But I'm watching this show for the my other podcast that I did about video game TV in, in the UK, and we reviewed this American video game show from 1982 called Starcade, where like two people play like various arcade games to go like the highest scores possible. 
And this show is a half an hour show. It has four ad breaks in it. And even in the show, they have sponsorship stuff because like all of the stuff is like supplied by people. So like the mm. last two minutes of the show, like it's just like uh, the host suits were supplied by this. Our limos were supplied by these people. The arcades were sponsored. By and I was like, oh my God, like America just has too much advertising. It's all capitalism, brother. Uh, Hannah Allen says, to be honest, my heart sunk when the negative comments flooded in. The match was perfect for me. It had everything. It was brutal, and the story and the story was beautifully told. They killed themselves for entertainment, and I don't understand the negative criticism at all. Dry Chicken Without Flavor is back, says, too bad we didn't see Jericho spiking MJF's eye, Sean Spears ripping <laughs> Sammy's heart out, Hager and Wardlow tearing each other's guts out, Santana Ortiz biting a chunk of FTR's body parts, and FTR biting back hard would be real graphic blood and guts yeah there wasn't much guts on this show uh matthew mikofsky says to all the fans who that are upset that he went through cardboard what do you expect him to go through real steel good movie he's 50 years old damn it <laughs> it's a act- good movie not yeah. enough people say not enough people say that tempest it is a really good movie yeah it's rocky plus rock'em sock'em robots what's not to like <laughs> He could actually die if he hit steel from that high. Fans are just fickle. Miro squash Darby Brody Cody style. I yeah. feel like that was a haiku. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think as well, like I, I I know like we, you know, a lot of people have said this in the Omega chats. It's like, what do you want him to do actually full on steel? I think the I think the majority of people's complaints about the spot is less the spot and it's more about the way that it was shot. I think in all in fairness to the criticism that's been leveled against it, it's less that it was like, no, I want him to fall onto steel. I think it was more just the production that put it together. Yeah. I do think there's a fine line here where they can have this spot and make it look good while also being safe. And they just are yet to find that perfect happy medium. Uh, Jorge Martinez says was fortunate or maybe unfortunate to be in attendance. I can tell you the crowd was antsy all night just to see some live wrestling, almost an hour and 20 minutes of promos and matches on the big screen. It was like a bottled eruption. That's fair. Yeah, we didn't really yeah. get into it, but all of the matches prior to the second hour of the show had been pre-taped and then were shown on the big screen for the fans to see in the building, which I don't think is necessarily the best way to do a live wrestling show. But again, they were they obviously had their uh, their limitations with the cage being up and not being able to like That's... raise it and whatnot. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Like it was so they could have time to put the cage up, but I, which I kind of get. And also, like I think if you did get a ticket to the show, they were very clear that it was a one match event. So, mm. like, and I, but I also at the same time totally get sitting there waiting for an hour and a half to watch some live wrestling. I could imagine being so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Especially like I've never thought WrestleMania two looked like a lot of fun to be at when they're just watching the show <laughs> no, on screens. <laughs> oh, dude! Like I remember, like so. Um, uh, Kenny McIntosh went to Raw twenty five, and like he specifically got a ticket to go and watch it in the Manhattan Center because he was like, "That's what I've always wanted to do: watch Raw mm-hmm. from the Manhattan Center." And I, I remember like him being so crushingly disappointed because there was barely anything at the Manhattan Center, and it was like really quite awful. You got to see Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross fall asleep and Matt Hardy lose to Bray Wyatt for no reason. (laughs) Dearie me. Uh, Jorge Martinez says, also my fiance and I got on TV in the first minute with our It's Wednesday, You Know What That Means sign. Congratulations, Jorge. Uh, That's about it for the Blood and Guts uh, Ultra Chats themselves. Uh, We'll get into some general miscellaneous stuff as Jake 
uh, has donated to say, thanks for the shout out on the Russell talk review video, Luke. I screamed so loud in my office. It startled everyone support Russell talk, support each other. Absolutely. Uh, Matt well. thank, you so much, thank you so much for, for doing the math. So I didn't have to. <laughs> uh, Matthew Robinson says Luke in the happiest way. Uh, please say this company. <laughs> Gotta love AEW. This company. And dry chicken without flavor says Denise was the one who tried to blow up Mr. Davis. Oh, have you asked her yet? I don't think I have asked Denise yet. Maybe I'll ask her on tomorrow's show if she did it. I don't I think, think she would have done it. Though. Should. I think you should. I don't know. She's wily one that Denise. She didn't get my name <laughs> right. So <laughs> Tempest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not letting that one go. Tempest. Oh, goodness. I, I have oh, I have goodness. words to have with her. Uh, the next time we're on a show together, I'll leave it at that. But I, I have to have a conversation and a couple of last minute ultra chats coming in. Uh, Jay Gupti says, uh, looking at the torn ring mats and undone ropes af after the ad break, my first reaction was, <laughs> what What the F is Nexus doing here? Hate the ad breaks. You, you two do more podcasts. Yes, please. I mean, yes, please. I, I'd love I, that. I, would, I would very much enjoy that. We don't need no stinking Mr. Davis. <laughs> <laughs> dried chicken without flavor i believe this is the last ultra chat says did anyone notice a mosquito flying around kenny omega's white tuxedo during yeah. the segment if not watch it back very closely that is a level of detail that i did not check for <laughs> i did notice that um but that is all we've got time for thank you all so so much for your omega chats like uh, one of the things that i love about doing the aew podcast is a there's always like a massive talking point there's always a lot of conversation to be had about whether something was good whether something was bad like and, and, I, and I, I really do love that and i but I, what i love is that also everyone's so like generous with um like wanting to chat with us and wanted to share their opinions and like you know nearly nine pages there of ultra chats about blood and guts like this is something that people are talking about i i we we kind of gave some uh some predictions on this last night do you have a ratings prediction of what this might do uh i think they were saying 1.4 i'm gonna go a little bit higher i'll say 1.5 million i had 1.4 down um I, and i think if it's above 1.4 it's a huge win i think it's anything below 1.4 and i'm not gonna say i think if it's below a million that's a massive like that's a huge disappointment yes i think if it's if it's above a million i think that's a win and yeah i, I if it's towards the 1.4 mark i think that would be a huge win um but i'm i'm really looking forward to it. like we should like find out in like, the next four or so hours so it's you know it's one of those weeks where i'm like man i'm really curious to see what it is uh yeah. but that's is all we've got time for on this edition of the Rust Talk podcast. Thank you very much, Tempest, for filling in for Mr. Davis, who is still recovering from his surgery. Um, he'll be back. We we think he'll be back next week. He might not be. Uh, if not, Tempest, I might uh, reel you in. You can review Raw with me as well. Oh, oh, oh God. Oh, God. Oh. You want us to do more podcasts, my friends? Like this hey, I'll, do, <laughs> I'll do it to do it with you, Luke. We can talk about Game of Thrones the whole time. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen all of it yet. Um, but anyway, like that's like I just watched the episode I watched last night was the uh, the Battle of the Wall. Um, oh, and good like, episode. it was a good episode. I know the Giants were so cool. Like the Giants yeah. were the first time in Game of Thrones where I, I turned to my wife and I was like, "That's pretty rad." Like when yeah. the Giant was like riding a woolly mammoth, I was like, oh, "That's pretty cool." That's yeah. Pretty cool. Season four is my favorite season of Game of Thrones, and you're you're basically at the end of season four, but you 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 know that this was a good one.
was trying to think, Tempest. Is this the first podcast you and I have done together? As far as like done in full, I believe it is. I've popped on for like a raw podcast and an AEW podcast to talk about little things here and there, whether it be like the Forbidden Door opening with New Japan and AEW months ago and whatnot. Um, we did the the Dominion 2018 Wrestle Talk Extra like a year ago yes. for yeah, about yeah. an hour, but I think that's about the extent of our of our podcast history together. Yeah, we haven't done like an intro and outro for the the podcast feed, which is yeah. nice. I've been kind of looking forward to it because uh, you and I, you and I, don't really get a lot of like one on one time. It's like yeah. anytime I'm on a video with you, like someone else is there sticking their oar in, and I'm like, no, I want to ask <laughs> Tempest the questions. I mean, honestly, not to gush, but I feel very much the same way where, <laughs> you know, I do so many, I've done so many podcasts to this point with, with Pete and Andy and Louie and everybody. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, like, obviously they're all my mates and everything. But at the same time, I was like, I want to, I want to have a nice sit down conversation with Luke. Talk about, talk about whatever, talk about some new metal music, talk about some oh, yeah. movies. Cause I don't know if you know this, you can't really do any of that with Louie, Louie. <laughs> no i mean the man who is like so we there's a footballer here in the uk called michael owen who was a very famous footballer and he once put out a tweet that was just like i have seen five films in my whole life and like he like listed out the films he's like and i tried to watch all five of them on a plane i don't get films and it was like a weird selection of movies as well and it was like this tweet that went massively viral and was like michael owen's dead weird because look at these five films that he has seen what, a, what an odd chap that he is whenever i speak to louis about movies i'm always thinking about that michael owen tweet because he is yep. just a lad who has very very rarely he is a sportsman he he likes his sports and likes his wrestling and that's about the extent of it. Like he doesn't really like music and or like games or anything like that. Well, he does like games, but he likes FIFA, and I don't think that yeah. counts. <laughs> uh, and he, he doesn't like movies either. Yeah, yeah. Which is like it's so odd because obviously, like you can just kind of go through and talk about wrestling all the time. But at the same time, like when I was on uh, After Dark this last time. We finished the recording. I was like, God, it's nice to talk about things that aren't wrestling. <laughs> oh, I know. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, As we I, sit here I, on a wrestling podcast. Well, yeah, quite. I mean, this is why we started Screen Stalker in the first place, really, is because Ollie and I were just like, yeah, we want to talk about something other than wrestling sometimes. And then that channel didn't particularly work out for us. Um, I'm, I'm going to go on a bit of a limb here that you saw uh, Scott Pilgrim recently. Uh, if only because your NXT review started off with that Scott Pilgrim opening of like somewhere in Toronto, Canada. And then you had at the end of it, which is like, I'm in Tempest, go watch Scott Pilgrim. So did you go like, cause it's been re-released in cinemas. Did you go to like a Dolby screening of it or something? No, no, honestly, I don't have like a, a real reason for being like, Hey everybody check out more Scott Pilgrim <laughs> stuff. I just, I just really like that movie. You know, it's been it's been one of the movies that I've like latched onto the most since I saw it the first time. That was like, you know, 11 years ago, something like that, whenever it came out, 2009, 2010. And it's just stuck with me. You know, uh, I I probably wouldn't go to a, a movie theater or whatnot right now, you know, just mm -hmm. because of circumstances and whatnot. But it's just my, it's just one of my favorite movies, you know, especially yeah. as I've gotten older. It's like connected with me a lot more because you get to be because now it's weird because like scott in the movie is younger than i am now and for a long he's time when really? i yeah he's he's 22 in the oh, in the movie yeah. and of course like you watch the movie when you're 13 it's like oh that's an adult 
you know yeah. and now i've passed that and i was like oh that's a kid you know yeah and he's in toronto yeah. and everything so yeah, i feel like I, a more of a connection so i guess like you must have been around like the sort of age that i was when i that film did come out like i really like the film i'm an edgar wright mark so mm -hmm. like like me and my friends were there for day one of the film's release because like we spent our university years just binge watching spaced and yeah. when i was at university like um shawn of the dead had just come out and like on dvd as well so we would like watch space then we watch shawn of the dead and then hot fuzz came out in the cinema so we all went to like a midnight screening of that so yeah like it was going to see like edgar wright do this, this big american movie it felt like a real like yeah this is some some national pride like we're gonna go and support our boy edgar um and i got to interview him a couple of years ago um i say a couple of years ago it was many many years ago it was when the world's end came out um right. and he was so so nice so, like to put a bit of time frame on it he was still the ant-man director when i interviewed him because his pr guys were like you cannot ask him any questions about ant-man and I still did. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Of course. God. Good. I mm. mean, that movie went into production in like 2006. So yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nuts. Uh, and annoyingly, we've actually left this slightly too late to get recorded. So I'm now we've now run out of time. And there was loads of other things I was going to ask you about. But um, I, I would highly recommend you listen to uh, Tempest on the other podcast we do, the NXT podcast and the SmackDown podcast to be intangible to get together like Renegade Masters. But we are running late. It's now three o'clock. We're actually late to go live. Uh, thank you very much. I take care. I love you. Goodbye. spring is that you warmer temps mean new allbird styles meet the super light collection the lightest ever shoes from allbirds now in fresh colors these must-have travel shoes have a lighter than air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever plus they're comfy right out of the box that means more comfort and less baggage experience how allbirds is redefining comfort visit allbirds.com and use code super 24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of 48 dollars or more that's a-l-l-b-i-r-d-s.com code super 24